And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me on the phone line today is Pastor Rich Kukin of the Pompton Plains Reformed Bible Church. And uh, Pastor Rich, it's great to have you with us today. Well, Dan, thanks so much. It's good to be with you. You know, um, it was um, this program is airing the 31st of January, the last day of January, and we're actually recording it on the 22nd. And so, Pastor Rich, maybe you can comment about the significance of this day on which this is being recorded and some of the concerns, namely that of abortion, and maybe some information to us. How did you first become interested in, in this issue? Thank you. Uh, That's a very pertinent question, actually. Uh, January 22nd, 2015, the 42nd uh, anniversary of the infamous uh, Roe v. Wade decision back on January 22, 1973. And as many of our listeners, I'm sure, know, uh, that was a decision uh, by our U.S. Supreme Court, uh, which in one fell swoop uh, overturned every uh, pro-life, anti-abortion law in the country in all 50 states and resulted basically in abortion on demand uh, throughout the entire course of uh, pregnancy uh, in all 50 states. And so uh, that's why, Dan, I especially appreciate uh, this interview today on this day. And as far as how I got uh, interested in or concerned about this issue, I must confess that for, for several years uh, after that decision, I was probably a bit um, ignorant or blissfully ignorant, as some say, about the reality of abortion in this country, primarily because Margaret and I uh, had not yet been married early in the 70s. Uh, It was a couple, three years after we were married that we first were blessed by the Lord with children. But through those several years, I was pretty much oblivious to the reality of abortion. I just was not paying attention to it. I was not concerned about it. I was not studying the issue. And then, Dan, I would say that during the... uh, pregnancy of our first set of twins. Margaret, our our first uh, pregnancy was twins, uh, our oldest set of twins, Matthew and Jenny. And as she was carrying them, of course, you're following the, um, you know, the uh, OBGYN examinations, you're you're reading, you're preparing for these little ones, and realizing (laughs) the the miracle of of life in the womb. And as as David says in Psalm 139, uh, I, am, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You, you miraculously wove me together in my mother's womb. And uh, it, was, it was that reality of seeing our own children develop and then realizing what abortion was in fact doing to those uh, developing little, little human beings. Uh, my heart was just stricken and grieved. Uh, by by the reality of abortion. So it really goes back to our own uh, first pregnancy. It goes back to the, the uh, blessing of our own uh, first children and then uh, becoming more and more aware of the, uh, the medical reality of uh, life in the womb and then, of course, of the, of the travesty of, of abortion. Yes, it's, um, it's very striking. Um, before we open the mic today, Pastor Rich, I, I went online and I was looking at information regarding the procedures, and it, it almost made me physically sick to consider what was really happening to this little little child in, in its mother's womb. And um, without getting too graphic, I mean, we're talking hands and feet being torn apart, uh, the head being crushed and, and brought out. It's just a, it's just a terrible travesty, uh, a terrible black mark uh, upon our our nation's history, 
And uh, um, yet, in spite of all that, um, sometimes women feel apparently that they have no choice, that they feel trapped perhaps. They're in a pregnancy, uh, unplanned pregnancy. You know, what do you, um, what do you counsel um, in, in your travels, Pastor Rich? Uh, how do you counsel people that perhaps if the lady is not married, uh, you know, they've sinned, they know it, um, they're pregnant, uh, the woman's pregnant, uh, what next? What, what, what kind of options are there? Dan, that's another excellent question which you raise. Um, and if I could relate it to my own experience once again, um, early on in my realization of the, uh, the abomination of abortion, you know, my wife and I were involved in uh, giving out pro-life literature, and uh, along with many friends, uh, you know, we picketed abortion clinics trying to reach out to these women before they entered the, the abortion clinic and so on. And uh, I think those are important roles that the pro-life movement has played and needs to play in, in the sense of awareness. And yet as time was going on, and again, as, as we were involved in the uh, pro-life movement, uh, we did realize exactly what you're saying, that uh, many women do not take this issue lightly. Many of them uh, feel panic-stricken or at a loss as to any other alternatives. They just simply don't know what else to do. Now, again, you first of all need to try to counteract the, um, the level of ignorance that organizations like Planned Parenthood uh, propagate, uh, telling them this is just a blob of tissue, it's just a product of conception, etc. There's a lot of deceit going on there that you try to uh, counteract with the truth. But, but even, even along with that, um, we began to really own uh, the, the, the burden and the, uh, just the, the weightiness that this issue was, was bringing to so many women and tried to meet them uh, at the point of their greatest need. For example, if uh, a need was counseling uh, as to making their decision, we would help provide that. If a woman said to us, look, if I only knew I could have child care, uh, I would give birth to the child and know that I could continue working. Uh, we actually had, had women in our church, Dan, provide free child care for, there was one lady in particular for over a year, as I recall, uh, just promising her that that child would be taken care of and uh, we would do all that we could for as long as we could to get her established uh, on her feet again and, and so on to try to save that little life. Uh, we try to provide uh, alternatives uh, to abortion. Uh, we talk about uh, adoption, and organizations like uh, Bethany Christian Services were extremely helpful in helping to counsel women with uh, some of those kind of uh, alternatives to placing the baby in a, in a loving Christian home rather than snuffing out its life in a very horrific fashion, as you said, uh, in the womb. So in my own transition on the issue, in my own journey on the issue, I, I've tried to not only educate and warn against the, the sin of abortion, but also to have compassion for those so struggling, but also to practically help them make the wiser choice and give them very viable options. You know, my wife and I, Margaret and I, have, have taken uh, women into our own home who have had unplanned pregnancies. In some cases, the uh, parents were going to put her out of the home if she didn't abort the child. And again, uh, not simply with saying, we'll help you, but in fact doing so, so that, that that girl could be cared for and the child could be brought to term and, and given life. And, and I think, Dan, the, the church needs to incorporate both of those aspects of the pro-life cause. Uh, I think we need to, as pastors, be preaching on this issue uh, concerning you know, the fact that it is murder, it is a sin, um, and not being silent on the issue, as, as many, many, unfortunately, in our ecclesiastical circles seem to be. 
and, and yet to, to deal as, as Christ would deal with compassion, with help, with hope, with giving them the gospel, as you said, Dan, of the, of the promise of the forgiveness of sins simply through confessing our sins and claiming that forgiveness through the shed blood of Christ and, and, and having that, that, that sense of cleansing, no matter how grievous any of our sins may be. We're all sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but we all can be forgiven solely by God's grace, solely through faith in the name of Jesus. And we try to give these these women and girls that kind of hope for a new beginning. And in fact, many of them become new creations in Christ uh, once the Holy Spirit regenerates their hearts and makes them a child of the King. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, I, I love the idea of uh, possible uh, suggesting free child care or or an adoption or actually, as you have done, Pastor Rich, taking the women into your home and helping them. Uh, this is showing the love of Christ. Um, it, it's um, I think it's maybe tempting for a woman to come to um, uh, maybe the wrong conclusion regarding Christians knowing that Christians are opposed to abortion, and yet not see the love of Christ. Um, we, we may say, and we do say, that, uh, that this thing is, is sin, this action is sin, but we readily admit that we too are sinners, uh, and, <laughs> and we're far from perfect. And so it's one sinner helping another sinner uh, find help in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I'm just uh, looking at an article here online, and um, this is from any number of articles. This one happens to be abort73.com, and they make the case against abortion. Uh, this particular article is is troubling, however. Um, they, they're saying that for decades, abortion has disproportionately targeted minority babies, and um this um this is this it bothers me terribly to consider this that um well first of all it mentions that every day in america about 3300 and i'm rounding it human beings lose their lives to abortion um and yet um it's not evenly distributed there's more black babies than white babies proportionately uh, being killed by by this and so um, as we look into it just a little bit, um, it, it turns out that uh, Planned Parenthood will often uh, target uh, placing their abortion mill into an area, into a community that has a, a larger minority population than the city or the state average. And so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a sickening prospect to consider. Yeah, it really is. Um, I've spoken with uh, African-American brothers and sisters in the pro-life uh, movement, pro-life community, and, and they call it black genocide. They, they really, really do. And um, part of it is, again, the, the, uh, the ignorance of the population in not realizing what is actually happening in the development of this child. Um, it looks like an, an easy, uh, quick fix uh, to a problem. Uh, it's presented that way you know, by the Planned Parenthood uh, personnel. Uh, and it, and you're absolutely right. It does seem to be targeted in a lot of the, uh, the poorer urban communities. Money seems to be the bottom line. That's, that's a big money maker, so to speak, for the, uh, the, the Planned Parenthood type of, of organizations. You know, my wife Margaret volunteers every Monday for a First Choice Women's Resource Center, uh, here in, um, 
North Jersey. There are several centers around North Jersey, and she volunteers in one in particular. And she's noticed that very same thing, that, that many times it's, uh, it's minority women coming in, and um, it's, it's an amazing strategy, an evil strategy, a, a, a satanic strategy, but a strategy that nonetheless is uh, unfortunately very um, lucrative for the pro-abortion industry uh, to target these, these young, poor women uh, with the promise of a quick fix to their problem. And in the meantime, uh, a lot of money is being made by the death of these precious little children. And uh, so that's a whole other evil aspect to the whole uh, abortion industry, certainly. Yes. I'm thinking also of, of something, uh, and that is, as Christians, this issue uh, spans across uh, many denominations, many traditions. Um, you'll find um, Protestants and Catholics standing side by side as we oppose this evil in our society. Excellent point again, Dan. Um, you know, I, I have to profess as a, as a Protestant evangelical pastor that uh, the Roman Catholic clergy have put us to shame in the way in which they have been out front from the beginning, uh, being the voice of the voiceless. In fact, two of my favorite Proverbs are, one is Proverbs 31, verse 8, which says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And another one is Proverbs 24, 11, which says, Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. And from the beginning, uh, the Roman Catholic clergy and laity uh, have been in the front of, of trying to sound that, that clarion call of protecting the least of these and so on. And I've been to uh, a number of the uh, pro-life marches. Uh, March for Life, in fact, is going on in, in Washington, D.C. today. I've been there, down there a number of times. And it is largely a Roman Catholic um, crowd, so to speak, that is, that is carrying the banners and, and trying to prick the conscience of our nation. And so, along with them, uh, I think we as uh, Protestant clergy, uh, pastors from various churches, stripes of denominations and the like, can unite on these social issues. In fact, I heard uh, Dr. R.C. Sproul say several weeks ago at a clergy conference down in Orlando that while we do not want to compromise our theological distinctives or compromise uh, our particular views of uh, the essentials of salvation and the Word of God and so on, uh, R.C. Sproul said that we can and should unite across denominational lines uh, to stand up for these kinds of social issues, lest the decay of our culture uh, increase even more rapidly than it already is. And so I think you're right. This is an issue that can bring uh, pastors together, clergy together, um, laity together for a common cause that we can all agree on is uh, trying to save the lives of these precious little ones that are created from the very moment of conception in the image of God. And uh, I think that would be a great, a great thing to see increasingly happen in more broader, uh, more broad fashion. Mm, yep, so true. Um, another uh, point, and I don't know if we have any politicians listening today, but uh, if we do, um, there was some. Um, this article I've been reading here, it's it's a, it's posted on abort73.com, and it's it's entitled Abortion and Race. Just going to back to that point just briefly, something stood out here, and that was um, they had a quotation from a 1977 article from Jesse Jackson. And in those early days in his career, he was pro-life. And he wrote about this question of life, claiming that it was the question of the 20th century, and at that point he was opposed to abortion. And I just want to say that it's so very important that, in general, as 
you get into, let's say, government. Suppose your thing in life is to be a politician, and that's fine. That's a that that can be a godly calling. But stay true to the standards of God, rather than letting the party pull you one way or another in in opposition to uh, holiness that that the Lord has given us in His Word. And I, I agree a hundred percent. Many politicians, if not if not most or all, uh, have really uh, transitioned on this issue, as they say, just as our own president has on the issue of uh, of homosexual marriage. Uh, as the as the tide turned in our country, uh, so too did their conviction on this issue. And I, I believe I remember uh, Jesse Jackson writing and speaking along those lines many years ago. But as it became less politically popular to be pro-life, uh, many of them had their consciences uh, changed. Or we heard the refrain endlessly, seemingly, uh, I'm personally opposed, but. And they would try to have it both ways. They would say, well, I, I am pro-life, but I don't want to bring that into the political arena, which reminds me of a, of a quote I, I heard recently by Abraham Lincoln, uh, apparently during the Civil War era, when they were, of course, uh, raging, uh, ra- there were raging debates over slavery, uh, Abraham Lincoln said, well, this is ironic. He said, the politicians are saying you cannot speak against slavery because that's bringing religion into politics. But he said they also didn't want the churches preaching on slavery because that's bringing politics into religion. And so basically Abraham Lincoln was saying, you know, no one wants this spoken of anywhere. And I feel that way with the abortion issue, that that I think a lot of the pastors are afraid of preaching on it, thinking less, you know, they'll be charged with bringing politics into the church. But then you have politicians afraid to speak on it because they don't want to bring religion into politics. And uh, and yet, as you're saying, our, our convictions are ultimately answerable to God. And I can only say, may God grant us the grace that His Spirit gave to Peter and John, uh, the early apostles in Acts 4, for example, where they were commanded not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus, and they simply said, we must obey God rather than man. And may God grant all of us, uh, beginning with me and, and Dan, me, and you, uh, that kind of grace to be willing to stand on, on the Word of God, thus saith the Lord, uh, right is right and wrong is wrong, and to be able to, to speak the truth of God uh, to this generation and uh, and leave the results in his hands. Mm, so so good. Um, I want to get to um, um, talking about our, our personal relationship with the Lord, how that we're made in God's image. And yet, before I get there, Pastor Rich, just ask our listeners to think about this one thing, and that is, if the government makes something legal, if it, if it makes something legal, that does not necessarily mean that God has endorsed that governmental decision. You know, if the government makes a subset of murders legal, it doesn't mean that it's right. I'm sure you've thought about that. Yeah, I have uh, thought about that, Dan. And, And what's so upsetting about that is when the government makes something legal, uh, you know, the average person on the street may more easily be deceived into believing, well, then that must make it right. You know, we've got laws around the country now, right, legalizing marijuana and so on. And and unfortunately, that conveys a message, especially to the young, well, therefore, uh, smoking marijuana, smoking pot must be okay. And and it just has has the effect of lowering the moral standard of the country in direct defiance of God's eternal law, of his eternal standard. And so, yes, exactly what you're saying is correct. Just because something is legal does not make it right, 
does not make it moral, does not make it pleasing in God's sight, and may, in fact, very well be diametrically opposed to God's eternal holy law. And, and yet again, as I'm saying, the unfortunate effect of such laws is that it seems to give sanction uh, to the sin. And, uh, and we, of course, are, are battling that increasingly on many different fronts in our own country, in our own day. Yeah, well put. I, um, I don't know how many laws are on the books in America. It must be thousands upon thousands and thousands. But I can't help but thinking if, if we could only get um, the Ten Commandments right and start you know, ordering our lives after that as, as a beginning point, oh, what a, what a bunch of things would be automatically taken care of. <laughs> you know, absolutely true, Dan. And I, and I remember reading, again, back in the early 70s, I think there was a Supreme Court ruling which banned the posting of the commandments uh, in a school in Kentucky, and um, the, the part of the ruling was was almost uh, it was so sad it was humorous, saying something to the effect that uh, we we are afraid that if the commandments were posted, it might cause the students to uh, meditate upon them and perhaps obey them, and then somehow that violated the separation of church and state, and they couldn't even post the Ten Commandments on the bulletin board, and uh, hence we're seeing the kind of uh, moral chaos and confusion. Uh, that we are seeing today. Yeah, it's uh, there's part of me that wants to laugh at it because it's it's just so sad. Uh, it's like that old saying: you just can't make this stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. That is absolutely correct. Now uh, we've got maybe four minutes left, Pastor Rich. Um, today we're talking about abortion. Um, maybe a concluding help us focus our hearts and minds on the fact that God seeks personal relationship with his people and that we're made in the image of God. Yeah, Dan, great, great area to finish. Um, first of all, we need to help uh, challenge our own people in our churches who in turn can challenge and educate their family members, their friends, their co-workers, their classmates, concerning the fact that, yes, uh, we are all uniquely created in the image of God, uh, for his glory, right? The, the first question and answer of the Westminster Catechism says, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And so we really need to get out the message in contrast to the lie of evolution, uh, the deceit of evolutionary theory, that we're all simply highly evolved germs, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that so many are being taught in the schools today, that, that we are uniquely created by God for God. And uh, he makes no mistakes when he creates us, uh, who makes man seeing, uh, blind, deaf, or dumb? He said to Moses, is it not I, the Lord? Every, every single uh, person in that womb is uniquely created in the image of God for God and needs to be granted that kind of protection and esteem and, and, and uh, care and love and acceptance and all that sort of thing. And once you realize that, you say, wow, I am living in this vast universe on a speck of a planet called Earth, and I am known by and loved by the creator of the universe, the God who spoke galaxies into existence, he loved me so much, he sent his one and only son to die on Calvary's cross to pay the penalty for my sins. Wow. Praise be to his holy name. Now, once we realize who we are as, as creatures created by our creator, and then to think that solely by his grace, solely through faith, we can become his child and, 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 and then live for him to his glory. Wow. And that is the good news of the gospel that needs to, to just saturate this whole area of, of uh, pro-life abortion, this whole pro-life abortion issue, and then get out that good news so that we are helping to convey to these women struggling with this issue or anybody in our family, friends, acquaintance, 
relationships, that they need to come into relationship with this God who loved them so much, he sent his son to die for them. And it will open up a whole new meaning and purpose in their life, and they, in turn, will be able to give God the gratitude that he deserves for such a great and gracious salvation. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. Pastor Rich Kukin has been our guest today on A Plain Answer. And Pastor Rich, before I forget, suppose somebody's listening today in northern New Jersey and they want to pay you a visit some Sunday at your church. How would they find you and what time is your service? Very good, Dan. Thank you. Uh, We are located at 415 Boulevard in Pompton Plains, New Jersey, 415 Boulevard in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. They can get a lot of information, Dan, by going on our website, which is www.pp. R-B-C, that's short for Pompton Plains Reformed Bible Church, www.pprbc.org. They could also call the church office at 973-835-4784. That's 973-835-4784. And our worship services are 815 and 1105 in the morning and 6 p.m. at night, 8.15 and 11.05 in the morning and 6 p.m. at night. And anyone who does not have a church home, we'd, we'd warmly welcome them to worship or have them come visit us. That would be great. Thanks so much. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, please do that if you can. Uh, you'll greatly be blessed uh, visiting the church. Also, if you'd like to listen to this broadcast again by way of a podcast, please visit our website. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. And for Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Quick reminder, please join us next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. His life fulfilled its highest worth His sacrifice bought our new birth And the right to stand before God at His throne choice for love, a choice to give. He chose to set aside His rights so that we might live. He understood what it would cost and gave His life upon When he made a choice for love A choice for life He understood what it would cost And gave his life upon the cross When he made a choice Yes, he made the choice for love When he made a choice for love A choice